in Eastern Europe right now, there is chaos and fear, as many thousands of people are fleeing away from the conflict in Ukraine. Well over a million people leaving behind their homes and livelihoods to find shelter and refuge in other countries. Tell Romania, the Ministry of Doctor and Mrs Hamilton Burr have been coordinating funds from people here in Northern Ireland to directly help refugees crossing from Ukraine to Romania. Huge lines of cars and people have formed at the border and these people need basic help. They need food and clothing and bedding and medicine. Tell Romania are transferring funds to volunteers on the ground so that help goes exactly where it's needed. In Ukraine, one of the largest Christian groups is the Baptist Association and one of the local pastors wrote, Each regional Baptist community has people responsible to coordinate the work with the Ukrainian refugees. Our churches have taken in hundreds of refugees. Can you help to get much-needed aid to people in need at the border crossings? Any amount, large or small, will help, and it will be put to good use, and it will make a difference. Go now to Facebook and search for Tell Romania and contact them there. Or email me, Bob McAvoy, on bob at bobmcavoy.co.uk. That's bob at b-o-b-m-c-e-v-o-y dot co dot uk. Thanks for listening. Thanks for giving. Thanks for praying. Welcome to our weekly catechism class. This is a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help us to learn Christian doctrine with a warm and a practical application. Every lesson has an accompanying study guide. The web link to find that guide is in the episode notes. Now, let's start the class. So welcome back again to this week's Catechism class. We're still examining the important doctrine that is the historic resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have considered the extent of that importance, why we cannot neglect this important belief. We have rehearsed the classic proofs of the resurrection. We have seen how Christ rose and why he rose on the third day. And now, Zacharias Ursinus himself, in his commentary on the Catechism, wants us to think about the purpose of his resurrection, to ask why. Why did he rise again? In the Catechism, our instructor simply deals with the blessings that accrue to us from the resurrection of Jesus. When he asks in Lord's Day 17, how does Christ's resurrection benefit us? First, by his Resurrection he has overcome death, so that he could make us share in the righteousness which he had obtained for us by his death. Second, by his power, we too are raised up to a new life, 
Third, Christ's resurrection is to us a sure pledge of our glorious resurrection. Now we will get there, perhaps in our next lesson. But first, let's look at the underlying reasons and ask, why? Why did Christ rise from the dead? I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata Podcast. at school many years ago we had a bad habit of not doing what we were told. Now, I'm sure children are much more obliging and obedient today or perhaps just more reasonable. Sometimes when someone would ask me to do something I would reply give me 10 good reasons why I should do it. That infuriated my teachers and my friends and when I tried it out once on my father one day I discovered very quickly that I wasn't expected to question a demand or an order. I was simply to do what I was told. Now, Jesus was perfectly in obedience to his heavenly Father. After all, he was sinless and perfectly in obedience to God the Father. That obedience was so great that it led him to the cross. In Mark 14 and verse 36, Jesus praying said, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Philippians 2 and verse 8. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. It was reason enough that God had planned his death and resurrection from eternity past. That was sufficient reason for Christ to execute perfect obedience to the Father's will. But if we, as humans, need a list of reasons why Jesus rose from the dead, Zacharias Ursinus gives us five of them. Five good reasons for the resurrection. Now, Ursinus' own commentary on the Catechism is not easy reading. So I've done my best to make these five reasons as easy to understand for you as possible. Here they are. First of all, Jesus rose from the dead to glorify God. Secondly, Jesus rose from the dead to vindicate the messianic prophecies. Thirdly, Jesus rose from the dead because of who he is. Fourthly, Jesus rose from the dead in order that he would carry on his work as our mediator. And fifthly, Jesus rose from the dead for our salvation. Let's look at them briefly, much more briefly than Ursinus himself does. So Jesus rose from the dead in order to glorify God. All of our salvation from beginning to end is for God's glory alone. Salvation is all of the Lord. It was God who planned it, and it was God who brought it about. 
As individuals, it is God who chooses us, it is God who awakens us to our need of salvation and convicts us of our sin and who quickens our dead spirit within us, regenerates us, saves us, turns us from our sins in repentance. It is God who gives us the faith to trust in Christ. Salvation is all of the Lord and nothing of me, so that no glory comes to us but to God. Read Ephesians chapter 2. In eternity, in heaven, when we all meet again around God's throne and we truly understand what God has done for his people, we will praise him and extol him and glorify him and we will say to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Soli Deo Gloria. Everything in the redemptive plan, works for God's glory. And that even includes Christ's death and his resurrection. In his rising from the dead, God is glorified. Of course, we have previously learned about the Trinity. And we have learned that Jesus is God incarnate in the flesh. So there is complete unity in the Godhead. God glorifies his Son so that his Son glorifies the Father. Jesus, in John chapter 17, verse 1, says this, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. Our second reason, then, is that Jesus rose from the dead to vindicate the messianic prophecies. The Old Testament contains prophecies of a Messiah, a deliverer of Israel whom God would send to rescue his people. Here's some examples. Psalm 16 and verse 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. That verse is quoted again by Peter in Acts chapter 2 and verse 27 when he talks about Christ and he says, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, applying it to the resurrection of Jesus. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53 and verse 10 and 11, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. The story of Jonah, the ancient Hebrew prophet, who spent three days in the darkness and entombment of the great fish, was an illustration of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew 12 and 39, He answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall be no sign given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Referring to the followers of Christ, John wrote in John 20 and verse 9, For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. So the promised Messiah, the Messiah promised to Israel, would be a mighty conqueror, would be one who would lead his people into victory. Of course, the Jews of that day expected some form of military 
leader. One who would free them from the shackles of the Roman Empire, not a deliverer from sin. Not a suffering saviour who would die on a cross like the Old Testament promised. But Jesus was victorious. He conquered death. He defeated it in his resurrection for us. And he leads us on to eternal victory. Listen to these amazing words from 1 Corinthians 15, reading from verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall it be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ perfectly completes and fulfills all the promises given by God to Israel through the Old Testament scriptures. The third reason that Jesus rose from the dead is because of who he is. Let's think for a minute about what we have already learned about the person and the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think of his dignity. He is God's only begotten Son. He is the true God, very God of very God. It wasn't possible that death could hold him in the tomb, for as God he is the author and the giver of life. If you want to put it this way, it was God who actually created or invented life. It was Jesus who designed life when creation was designed. When God breathed that life into our first parents, he is life. In John 11 and 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John 5 and verse 21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Verse 26. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Jesus is life because he is God incarnate. So think of his dignity. Death couldn't hold him. And think of his power. Now death is very powerful. We found that out in the past couple of years as we have been going through the COVID pandemic. The overall death rate hasn't really increased all that much because many people who would formerly have died of pneumonia or old age have instead died with complications caused by COVID. But the daily death toll that has been 
broadcast on our news channels has brought death and its inevitability right into our living rooms. And many people have become aware just how powerful and how fearful death really is. Well, the Christian message is that Jesus is stronger than death. When he rose, he demonstrated that strength and that power. In Christ, death is defeated. Here's that passage again from 1 Corinthians 15, reading from verse 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. William Cooper wrote a lovely poem in which he imagined a conversation between the Lord and a humble sinner. He says, Mine is an unchanging love, higher than the heights above, deeper than the depths beneath, free and faithful, strong as death. We think about his dignity and his power and his righteousness. Remember that Jesus is God's sinless son. We die because the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die. But Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law. He did not deserve to die. He had done no wrong, done no sin. Instead, he died in our place. He died my death on the cross. And because he had no sin, death had no hold on him. Romans chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Jesus could not be held by death. Because of who he was, because he was God incarnate, with all the dignity and and authority of God's person, because he is life. And because of the power of God and the righteousness of Christ, he rose from the dead. Now the fourth reason that Ursinus gives us is that Jesus rose from the dead in order to carry on his work as our mediator. Now let's think about that. Ursinus makes this quite complicated, I think, so I'm going to try and simplify it for you in just one paragraph. There is a huge gap. There is a gaping chasm between God and us, and we can never bridge it. We can never cross it by ourselves. We need someone to stand between God and us. In the Old Testament, Job, in his affliction and distress, sobbed out this heartfelt plea. In Job 9 and 33, he says, Neither is there any days man betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. A days man, in this sense, is a mediator. Somebody who stands in the gap between the holy God and sinful mankind. The Amplified Bible puts it like this. There is no arbitrator between us who could lay his hand upon us both, would that there were. Job needs a mediator. 
and Paul later announces that a mediator has come. And that mediator is Jesus. 1 Timothy 2 and 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. But what use would a mediator be if that mediator was dead? It would be worthless. You know, there's been a desire among some Roman Catholics to declare Mary as a co-mediatrix, along with her son Jesus. Some Catholics, not all, would want a new dogma to be established. So that Catholics must believe that Mary participates in our salvation along with her son. So that grace is only granted through Mary's intercession, and that all the prayers of the faithful must proceed through Mary. Here's the problem. Mary's dead. Mary died, and she did not rise from the dead. And a dead mediator is no mediator at all. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. So the Hebrew author wrote, or or maybe preached, in Hebrews 7 and verse 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus lives, and he stands between God and man as saviour and mediator and intercessor. In Psalm 110 and verse 4, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent, thou art a priest for ever, after the order of Melchizedek. Romans 8 and 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, and who also maketh intercession for us. Our final reason, number five, is that Jesus rose from the dead for our salvation. Now this is where it gets really personal. Jesus died for me. He rose from the dead for me. And for you too, if you're a repentant sinner who trusts him as Saviour and Lord. Arsonist identifies three aspects of this personal application of the resurrection of Christ. He tells us that Jesus rose for our justification, our regeneration and our resurrection. Look at them briefly. He rose for our justification. Romans 4 and 25. He was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. In that simple statement, Paul teaches us that the saving work which Jesus achieved at the cross for us is applied to us by the living Christ, who entered into the presence of the Father, having completed his work, granting to us his own righteousness, so that clothed in that righteousness, he makes us acceptable unto God. He rose for our regeneration. In regeneration, he gives us new life. Now, what do we mean by new life? S.R. Fisher, in his book Exercises on the Heidelberg Catechism, defines new life as being that state of reconciliation with God in which the Christian lives to his glory and to which he is introduced by repentance and faith. Justification before God, a new legal standing with God into which the Christian has been placed, requires a new life in us, so that we might 
who work out that justified status practically in this life and forevermore. John 10 and verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So Jesus rose for our justification, for our regeneration, and then for our resurrection, and, of course, our ultimate glorification with him. Because he rose, we shall rise also. 1 Corinthians 15 and 21 For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So Jesus, risen from the dead, becomes the first fruits of that great harvest of souls who will also be resurrected. 1 Corinthians 15 and 20 But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 1 Corinthians 15 and 23 But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, So I suppose if Jesus was to give us five good reasons why he rose from the dead, these five might just be good enough. He rose in order that God would be glorified, and so that the Old Testament prophecies that point to him would be fulfilled and vindicated. He rose to verify the integrity of his person as God's only begotten Son, the divine creator and giver of life, his dignity, power and righteousness. He rose to continue his work as our only mediator, the only way for a sinner to come to God, and he rose for our salvation. In our next lesson, we look at those wonderful blessings and benefits which we personally gain from Christ's resurrection. 